Welcome to the Jinx Dance Media Podcast. This is your host, Jude, and this is where I'll be chatting to you about how to design and create high-quality dance events and creative dance content. I'll be covering topics ranging from fundraising, marketing, production, content creation, design, and so much more so that you can have all the tools and resources you need to stand out and build genuine connections with your audience. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to this week's podcast episode. I am here with special guest Jess. She is the CEO of Chicago Dance Crash, which is a nonprofit here in Chicago. Before we get into it, I'll go ahead and let you um, introduce a little bit more about yourself since it's your first time. Yeah. As uh, Jude said, my name is Jessica Leva, and I will be taking over as CEO of Chicago Dance Crafts. It is a performance company where we mix street styles and contemporary fusion together, as well as do educational performances for the greater Chicago area. Um, I was a dancer with the company myself, and I have a lot of experience in nonprofit and the development realm. Um, so I'm also currently working at Chicago Shakespeare Theater in their development department, and that's giving me lots of knowledge at the moment um, in the realm of nonprofit and fundraising in general. So yeah, that's a little bit about me in a nutshell, just very heavily in, you know, street dance, dancing, and also the nonprofit admin side of things. Yes. Awesome. So you work a lot in nonprofits and we will be doing a future podcast episode that's more centered around that. But for today, I specifically wanted to bring you on so that we could talk about I guess, the intersection of contemporary and street dance perspectives, since um, I know you have a contemporary background and recently got into street dance and freestyle and stuff. And I kind of have a similar background, having gone to college as a dance major. Um, mm-hmm. I was required to like be in that contemporary setting, but then I was also simultaneously getting into the world of street dance and freestyle and stuff like that. So I felt like it would be cool for us to explore that topic and just talk about like our different experiences in those two different worlds, I would say, but they also butt up a lot of times together. So just talking about the differences and the similarities and like how those over cross and things like that as well. So um, to get started, can you tell us about how you got started in dance, your dance journey, and what eventually led you to freestyle? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I was classically trained growing up. I was going to intensives for American Ballet Theater, Strictly Ballet, um, for the first probably like 13, 14 years of my life before introducing a little bit more modern jazz. Um, I went to school at UC Irvine where I got my BFA in dance performance, and UCI is a very um, heavily classical program. I was taking ballet point five days a week. Um, Laura Lubavitch had a residency, so I was getting a lot of classical, modern, and contemporary training there. And then I moved to Chicago because I was offered a spot in the Claire Bataille Legacy Scholarship Program through Hubbard Street Dance. Um, for those who don't know Hubbard Street Dance, it's an incredible contemporary company based here in Chicago. So it was great to be able to just dance with them um, five days a week, dance in the program, and get a lot of like quality free training but again it was very heavily ballet and modern base I think we had like one quote-unquote hip-hop class a week that was just primarily choreo um we weren't necessarily taught like bounce rock um groove like all of that Mm -hmm. so um that all changed when I joined Chicago Dance Crash in 2020 they offered me a contract and I was going in to fill the spot of a contemporary dancer but with the nature of the company bringing in more street dance it became very apparent very quickly that I just really needed to increase my knowledge and my movement in that area. So in 2021, I took my first 
not strictly ballet slash modern class in Chicago. And it happened that I actually met Brian Parrish in that class. He started to bring me to um, a few more freestyle events, brought me to my first battle, which was actually Shadow Puppets. Volume one, I had no oh, idea. Out of the shadows. Of the shadows. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I had no idea what was going on. I was like, this is cool. Like, but had never seen Poppin in person. So I had I no idea like, that was yeah. your first battle, like, yeah. all together. Yeah, wow. it was funny that you had put me on the check-in table, actually, to, like, to make sure people didn't sneak in, because I 100% showed up late to that event and, like, did not pay to be there. I just kind of walked in <laughs> and was just there. I think it was ending. Um, but yeah, that was my first time ever going to like a street event or seeing any of that. Um, went to my, he brought me to like my first session too. And I was so scared. I was like shaking. I had no idea what was going on. So it was a very kind of like quick introduction and I, I was exposed more to that world, but I probably didn't start taking training in street dance very seriously until last year. I started most heavily in hip hop just figuring out how to keep a consistent bounce for probably a first the first year of my training and then started transitioning into waving and I'm now starting to dip my toes into popping a little bit more. So it's it's been a journey, um, but it's really cool to be here now and I think it really did reignite um, my love for dance in general. So it's all been good. That's <laughs> awesome. Well, yeah. thank you for sharing that. And then I do um, just want to give a little bit of background on myself as well, because mm-hmm. I, I have talked about this a little bit here and there on the podcast before, but for the context of this conversation, I'll try and give a brief overview. So I started dancing in um, 2016, which is when I graduated high school, actually, um, and I started learning on YouTube, mm. and I was really interested in... Um, Street dance, I didn't really call it street dance, I called it hip hop at the time because I didn't know any better. But mm. I just started learning like random YouTube videos. Like I started learning how to sea walk on YouTube because it's mm-hmm. probably one of the easiest things to learn is footwork. At least in my opinion, it was very like visually, I could pick it up easier than like popping, for example, mm-hmm. where like popping is really um, heavily focused in just like the muscle control and like the movement and it's kind of hard to just like watch a video and learn how to do it so I started doing that but then eventually I moved to South Korea and stayed there for a year where I was learning in a um studio and I was doing choreography Mm -hmm. for a while and then um that kind of taught me some general body awareness but then I moved to Chicago shortly after to start studying in dance at Columbia so simultaneously I was taking ballet, modern, West African for the first time because it was required for my major. (laughs) I had never taken any of those styles before. And then I was also really like, I moved to Chicago and specifically went to Columbia because they advertised they had like a hip hop program. And so I was just searching for the street dance community Mm -hmm. here. And eventually like I found T-Bugs and then I found Shadow Puppets and started training in popping and robotics. And I've been doing that since 2018, 2019. So like, a lot of like my background in like contemporary and street dance has been like simultaneous, like they overlapped. It wasn't like I did one and then the other. So um, yeah, that's just a little bit of context for me as we continue into the conversation. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so my question for you, cause I know I noticed a lot of, I guess, differences in the two settings that I was mm-hmm. in being in college and in this like institutional, like very contemporary modern setting while also doing street dance, like out in the community and stuff. What were, I guess, like some differences that you noticed from your background in those two different settings? Yeah, so um, two things. I mean, physically, there's obviously a really, really big difference um, with the approach to 
movement and training in general. So one thing that I noticed too was coming into the street dance community, um, just different ways of thinking in terms of like emphasis on musicality and just really being kind of a mirror for what's being given to you in the context of a very specific style where in concert dance settings, when we were given, you know, like improv tasks, it was a lot more um, conceptual and didn't really have the emphasis on adhering to a certain like criteria that you see in street dance with like different movement qualities, textures. Um, So obviously a huge difference physically, but in terms of organizational structure as well, when you enter into a concert dance space, all of your training is pretty much happening in a studio or in a studio setting. Um, So that was all I knew for the first like 18 years of my dance career is it was ingrained in my head like, you go to class, you learn there. That's where also when you enter into um, a professional setting, you show up, you have company class in the morning, that can be your training for the day. And then you have three or four hours of rehearsal. That's your work time as well. And you're still, you know, like, obviously being very physical in that time. So the concept of meeting up in somebody's living room and like (laughs) training there was wild to me. And I think there's also, um, yeah, just like a mindset that I had to get over very quickly that that wasn't a quote unquote, like legitimate form of training, because Mm. I was really told growing up that it's, if it's not in like a big fancy studio or something, you know, it's, it's, it's not of the same quality, which I've learned very quickly here is, is not true. Like you can get incredibly high quality training being in a space, regardless of where it is with people that are passing down really incredible knowledge and giving Mm -hmm. you great tools. Like I've gotten the best work done in a tiny like nook in my hallway, like in front of my closet mirror. Um, so that was a really big one. Also just the, Um, end goal specifically when it comes to intention with approaching the art form. So I was told growing up, like the marker for success is you, you know, like graduate high school, you graduate college, and then you get a a contract with a dance company and you're dancing full time. And that's how you know you're a legitimate professional dancer. Like Mm -hmm. that is um, kind of the end goal and intention. And of course that's layered in with artistic excellence, but under that kind of more structural organizational umbrella with it versus, um, In street dance, I found that that trajectory in terms of like a professional goal isn't maybe quite as clear cut. A lot of people go in different routes, like some maybe get most of their income from teaching. Some will really just excel in battle settings and be able to get like a fairly substantial amount of money doing that Mm -hmm. or get a sponsorship that allows them to do so. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was, I think, a really big difference as well um, for me personally coming in. But what it also highlighted for me and why I pointed out that I think it really invigorated my love for dance again is that I didn't have to enter the studio every day feeling like I was constantly prepping for like an audition or a contract and putting that pressure of like, I'm not a legitimate artist if I'm not under this umbrella versus mm-hmm. in a street dance coming into like like a living room or like outside on a basketball court, everybody is still legitimate artists rega- regardless of like where you're employed or like how your dance factors into your professional life in that way. So it was two very different mindsets coming from that. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I really like that you said that because it 
got me thinking a lot of things that I've thought about before. Specifically, actually, when the pandemic happened, this kind of like clicked for me. So it happened during my um, well, my time at college. So mm-hmm. we all switched to doing like Zoom classes for dance. And I remember like so many of the people who really grew up with like ballet, modern, contemporary backgrounds were struggling with mm-hmm. like the Zoom setting. And for me, I was like, I'm so comfortable with this because I dance in my apartment all the time. Mm-hmm. I used to learn from YouTube videos. And even just like when it came to like doing projects, like I'd go outside and find cool locations to film at. And I don't know, like I personally felt that like during that time I was like my most creative and mm-hmm. like my most adaptable. And I noticed that in general, I do think because street dance professionals and just like street dance artists in general we are so used to like just using the resources available to us Mm -hmm. like we are incredibly adaptable to situations like that and like we can learn pretty much anywhere I feel like and we can perform Mm -hmm. pretty much anywhere like that is the really awesome thing I think about street dance that like I really love and I think not a lot of people give enough credit to that like you said a lot of people think that it's less legitimate but like for me, I think it it speaks more so to like the culture of like resourcefulness and like mm-hmm. commitment and dedication and adaptability and like creativity that comes with those styles as well. Yeah. It's like you you're not just limited to those spaces where it's like you can only dance, like you said, in a studio or you can only dance um in one particular context for your career right Mm -hmm. like within street dance too like that's another thing like i think that there are a lot more avenues available to us whether we realize it or not in terms of what you can do professionally with street dance like my friend jimmy from new orleans he literally travels the world in his van Mm -hmm. and performs and like competes in breaking competitions and he also is a street performer and earns money busking in new orleans like during his downtime and he's also been on like commercials and like movie sets where he's like a backup Mm -hmm. dancer and like there's so many things you can do and I don't think a lot of like ballet or modern artists really have those types of opportunities and also like there's a lot of people like you said they learn from teaching and performing or they have their own dance studios or their online dance programs Mm -hmm. Um, but even more so I'm seeing people get into like adjacent careers like even like myself with like event planning Mm -hmm. or content creation like there's a ton of videographers that specialize in dance content now like street dance content Mm -hmm. and like the brand partnerships that you can get there's just more opportunities there Mm -hmm. and so yeah I think like that's something that is very different from my experience when I was in college where they were basically training and they're like your your options if you want to become a professional dancer is you either go like down this like very academia route where it's like you're doing like like grad school Mm -hmm. and you're like doing like intensive like anthropology research and stuff like that as it relates to dance you can go that route and be like a dance researcher or you can be a teacher or you can perform in a company Mm -hmm. like and that those are basically kind of like your options right and so for me I didn't like that because none of that appealed to me I was like Mm -hmm. that's not what I want to do with my dance or with my life so Mm -hmm. I was like why are we so limited in our options there so Mm -hmm. that's just something that I noticed as well at least in those two different settings. So mm-hmm. so I guess kind of piggybacking off of that, mm-hmm. how do you think your experience in those two different settings has like informed or changed your perspective? I know you touched on that a little bit already, mm-hmm. but maybe if you want to expand on anything there. Yeah, definitely a lot of um, gratitude for like you mentioned, the, the resources that are offered from the street community without there needing to be a super formal structure. Like the first thing that kind of came to my mind was 
if you wanted a private lesson in ballet or in modern or something, you typically have to go to a studio, pay $75 to $100 for like a 45 minute hour long private, and then just kind of go from there. Dance lessons are also like very expensive under those settings and, um, and things as well. But coming in here, having just the so many people willing to offer their time and resources because they cared so much about the culture and passing down correct knowledge is not something that I have taken for granted. Like the fact that somebody is willing to meet up with me and train with me for three hours in their apartment to just to work on like one specific like popping or waving technique or something like that's, that's awesome. And it's not something that I is quite as commonly seen in the concert dance community, if at all, like you don't see ballet dancers sessioning outside or like people really getting together in their apartment to practice like jazz technique or something like that. It's Mm -hmm. a very different context. So that has definitely been a huge shift in perspective in terms of like the love for dance and why we do it. And I think there's a lot of um, just really interesting things that could also be potentially brought in from like the concert dance perspective is not mitigating the value of also having those kinds of classes for street dance. So like how Shadow Puppets, for example, does the hour long kind of um, like mini workshop in a specific style where um, we can just like kind of dip our toes into. And that is so, so, so helpful for those of us that have come from like choreo or structured training backgrounds because we're familiar with that format. We feel safe with that format. Um, And it also gives um, more beginners and people that are trying to get into the scene at least some foundation and context from people that they know what they're talking about, plus it's in person, rather than trying to like shift through YouTube and try and figure things out, but then also not being quite sure what the source was. Like, I know for sure coming in, if I was learning a lot of like party grooves and um, just like trying to figure out hip hop in general, Mm -hmm. like how to bounce and rock all of that. And I wouldn't have known for myself, the difference between like the legitimacy of this person who's just posting a library of party party grooves versus if it's coming from a member of like elite force or something like that. And the Mm -hmm. weight that that holds. Um, and that was just more so like a lack of knowledge, but having people that were actively sending me those links and saying, you should watch these videos, they come from legitimate sources, mm-hmm. was also super helpful. So yeah, it's it's definitely shifted my mindset around dance as a whole to really recognize the importance of that community feel and how that impacts the culture and just the passion of the artists that exist there as Mm -hmm. well and is something that I wish had exist or does exist a little bit more within the concert dance scene because you know you go to the studio you do your thing you do your work and then you you go home and chill and you usually Mm -hmm. put the dance (laughs) bag away so yeah Mm -hmm. yeah no absolutely I think for me personally when I was first learning how to dance like I was really focused on like perfecting every single move I would like mirror like videos on YouTube and like learn a choreography and then I would film it and then that would be like the product Mm. and then as I started getting into freestyle more and more like it really became about like learning a language where the more comfortable you get with that foundation like the more you can express yourself creatively and not focus so much on like this is like a product that I'm trying to present. It really changed a lot of like, I guess, how I 
what, what what I enjoy in dance too, right? Instead of like sitting there and watching like a choreo video or watching a concert dance performance that someone choreographed, I would rather go and sit in like a contact improv session and like just watch people like mm-hmm. go at it. And like, I find those moments so much more interesting because you can see people have those aha moments mm-hmm. or like they find something that they really like and they really dig into that. And like I myself as a dancer enjoy that, exploring that like in my dance more and I get bored if I'm just doing the same stuff over and over again. Yeah, it's just like, it's really cool to see how I think like freestyle dance has like a higher threshold for finding like really interesting movement. Say there's a dancer that has like a really strong foundation, like Sid, for example, and he's always performing at like this really high level up here, mm-hmm. but he has those moments where he's exploring and then he surprises himself and he's mm-hmm. up here. Mm-hmm. Whereas within choreography, you may be choreographing at this level and you're never going to get something above that level because like you're only inside of movement that you know. Mm -hmm. And so like if you have a freestyle dancer that's really, really excellent at what they do, they have the potential to actually do more than what people would expect. And I think that's really interesting because um, with choreography, you know exactly what you're getting. But with freestyle, like you know exactly what you're getting. But then also, like, there's room for, like, really amazing moments that, Mm -hmm. like, you wouldn't get in a choreographed, like, performance. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people think, like, oh, well, with freestyle, you don't know what you're getting. Like, it could suck. And I'm like, that's only if you pick a dancer that doesn't have a good foundation. Mm -hmm. But typically, like, if they have a good foundation, they're always going to perform at a high level and then some. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's really cool. Yeah. And I think, too, um, I've noticed a big shift, especially entering into the professional concert scene there is starting to be more of a demand for dancers that do understand and i'll use the concert dance vernacular of improv um Mm -hmm. for the sake of when um obviously like funding is tight for a lot of organizations so if you need to throw together a 30 minute piece and you bring in a choreographer i've seen a lot more choreographers going into the realm of i'm going to give this intention to the dancers have them create the source material or um take that and improvise in front of me and then we create the end product um, based off of that but it is also still within that process um constraining to the point where maybe you only get three minutes to do that and then you need to add some structure to it Mm -hmm. um but also say i have definitely noticed an uptick within um that specific scene of people realizing they do need to increase their skills when it comes to improvisation Um, But it is still separate from street dance culture. Like you're not given a specific style to operate in. Um, It's definitely a lot more experimental. And there are some really incredible, very interesting movers that exist in that realm and can do just crazy things with their bodies and are absolutely Mm -hmm. stunning. But it's definitely within a different context and isn't that it isn't given quite the same weight of you need to continue to progress and um, you, you don't have as clear, I think, metrics for progression versus in street dance. You can There's always something within a specific style that you can continue to, to push a little bit more, mm-hmm. whether it's um, for a battle setting or just your own personal growth. But yeah, I guess I think it gets a little bit more murky in those areas. This actually, this reminds me of a debate that we had in college about Mm. improv um, or freestyle. And in this debate, it was, is improv structured or does it lack structure? Like what is the right way to approach it? And a lot of people were like, oh, improv has no structure. Mm. And for me, I'm like, no, like improv or at least freestyle 
is you are applying structure restrictions, right? It's like, so the concept, for example, is waving, like waving is your concept. So you're supposed to be focusing on waving and exploring that type of movement. That is a structure. That is a restriction, Mm -hmm. right? And I think in like modern contemporary settings, like they have different types of structures. It might be like you said, an intention that the choreographer sets on the dancers. Um, It could be like an emotion or like maybe gravity is like the concept, right? Mm -hmm. So um, a lot of people, I think, and I think that's too why like a lot of people like don't see freestyle as legitimate because they fundamentally misunderstand what freestyle and improvisation is. They think of it as a lack of structure mm-hmm. and maybe even mm-hmm. taking that further, a lack of technique, mm-hmm. right? Um, but like in a modern and contemporary setting, um, oftentimes when you're doing improv, it's like it's assumed that you're doing it within the context of modern and contemporary. Like that's mm-hmm. a style structure, right? Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it's not said and maybe you guys aren't expected to explore or dig deeper into that because you're always going to be taking like modern classes or jazz classes mm-hmm. or contemporary classes or ballet or whatever. And that's improving your technique and therefore improving your range to explore movement within your improv, even though you may not be explicitly implying that in the structure of your improv, it is something that you're just kind of doing without realizing in freestyle, like in street dance, like I think we actively recognize and do that. And we're mm-hmm. like, okay, well, popping is my structure. And so Um, I want to like play with all these different things inside of that. And like, how can I keep digging further and further? Okay. Maybe once I've feel like I've really mastered a style, maybe I start to add on like other styles that are adjacent or maybe something completely different. And like, you start to expand your vocabulary of movement that way and just keep digging and digging. And I think like, again, this comes back to the whole product versus process thing. Like you talk about, even in the setting of contemporary modern, when a like improvisation or choreographer comes in and sets like gives them an intention and they improv for the sake of creating a choreography. That's a very different approach. Whereas with freestyle, it's like we are freestyling for the sake of improving our craft in general and just to explore movement and to get better at freestyling, Mm -hmm. not necessarily to create a choreography. Mm -hmm. So again, that's like the product versus the process where in modern contemporary settings, I think the reason they value like improv is different because again, like you are using improv as a tool to create mm-hmm. a product. Mm-hmm. Whereas in freestyle, we genuinely just value the process, period. Yeah. Like yeah. the process is what is important to us. Like we are watching people create in the moment. That is what we value. And this even just goes for like choreo, like in, that's like, you know, like hip hop choreo and stuff like that. Like it's the same thing. I think it's not even necessarily a hip hop or a street dance versus mm-hmm. contemporary thing. It's like a choreography versus like improvisation and freestyle. Yeah. Like value difference. Mm-hmm. So anyways, I could keep ranting about that, but I won't. <laughs> um, but yeah. But yeah, yes to all of that. <laughs> <laughs> so um, just to keep us going, um, my next question was, uh, why do you think there is such a huge disconnect in the industry between like street dance and then modern and contemporary? And how do you think we can start to find more common ground? Mm-hmm. I think to reiterate what I said before is there's that pure physical disconnect of the spaces that we train in, where we grow up, the intention of where we want to go with our practice or with our careers, um, street, um, sorry, contemporary and modern existing primarily in those studio spaces. A lot of our work and end product is presented on big stages. Um, We're touring, we're operating in presenting houses and under that context versus street dance, the training spaces look completely different. The 
um, places where you get the opportunity to showcase your art in more of like a battle scenario, that sort of thing. It, it's a totally different event space as well. And I know coming in, coming to Chicago for concert dance, I didn't even know the street dance scene existed. Like it is so, there's such a like gap between the spaces that we operate in. I didn't know that there was anything like that here because I was so much in my little bubble um, of that studio world. Also, just historically, the roots of ballet versus the roots of street dance. Ballet is a Eurocentric style. It was developed in um, the courts of France and mm-hmm. comes from a very different place of um, that makes it feel a little bit more um, elitist in a sense. You're coming from a place of privilege already. Um, and then you have street dance where this this style was and like these styles were born from black culture and minority voices and ways to um, bring people up as well. So already there's a huge fundamental difference in the history of where these places come from. And I'm not saying that's across the board for like all modern and contemporary. There's a very strong black voice, black voices in Alvin Ailey Dance Theater, Dallas Black Dance Theater, Cleo Park and Rock. Parker Robinson, like there, there are spaces, but they're definitely, um, there's definitely not as many. Mm -hmm. So I think that has just historically and physically over time created a huge disparity in how these two um, spaces interact and the opportunities that they've been given to interact. Um, Also, the lack of more of a social community that exists in modern and contemporary dance. Um, so like, for example, if you're, if you're learning house, the people you're learning from are generally going to encourage you to go to house clubs, to get in the culture, to be social, but also learn and mm-hmm. fuel your art as well. In in ballet, there's not settings like that. You don't go to a ballet club and, you know, like mm-hmm. do a pot of this together. That's just not yeah. a thing. Um, so it's very different um, culturally in that sense as well. But I think where the common ground can come in, it just has to be through movement and through movement exchanges. Like we can't, um, like as a collective, force street dancers into more studio spaces or, you know, like force um, ballet dancers and contemporary dancers to go out and like a- attend ciphers and have it be an immediate switch, mm-hmm. but somehow finding that common ground in community. And I know that um, myself and KC, who will be taking artistic director of Dance Crash next year, um, really see an opportunity there and that we are two people who exist in kind of a limbo between the two spaces. Mm -hmm. And there is opportunity to do things such as dancer open mic nights, where maybe we invite people from the concert dance space, from um, the street scene to get together, to, to facilitate those places where people can exchange and feel safe and feel like they have an equal voice heard before putting Um, people in situations like it's very intimidating for a contemporary dancer to come into um, a session where it's all hip-hop dancers or poppers it's it's automatically feeling a little bit out of place so facilitating more of those spaces within the community where they can come together but that does require people who have a voice in both sides Mm -hmm. um, which is also kind of rare so Mm -hmm. that's something yeah Casey and I are really looking to explore a little bit more because we think that there's so much that each can learn from each other both structurally and in movement as well yeah for sure I think um for me uh speaking more to the disconnect and then I'll get to the common ground part later as someone who is like really invested in like the street dance community and in freestyle 
while simultaneously like going to this college that was like very, like you said, Eurocentric. I would say something that I noticed like in my time there is like the expectation for street dance to adapt to the institutional, formal, like contemporary ballet settings as opposed to the other way around. And when those people from contemporary ballet settings are invited into spaces for street dance, this idea that like they, the people who are from ballet or contemporary backgrounds deserve an equal platform in that space. I think that's a bit where I see a disconnect. So for example, we talked about this before, but mm-hmm. I haven't shared this on the podcast. When um, I was at Columbia College, when I first started going there, they had the B series. And the B series initially was a part of this uh, broader program called the Dance Presenting Series, where they'd bring in six like concert dance companies a year to perform from um, around the globe. And they would do like contemporary, like modern, different style like performances um, on the concert dance stage. And then the B series was our big like hip hop and street dance festival. And um, it would incorporate like usually like two different categories of battles. I think the first year I went, it was like a 2v2 popping and then an open styles battle. And so when I first started going there, they actually had like a full-time staff that would work on this program. And um, as I continued to go there, there were like budget cuts over the course of the three and a half years I was there. And the first thing to get cut was the B series. So um, the B series, which used to happen twice a year, like once each semester ended up happening once a year in only the fall. And then um, I petitioned for a while to get the second B series reinstated and to have it to where we could fundraise and then get that fundraising matched by the college. What ended up happening is they reinstated the second B series, but they did not reinstate the funding. So we Mm -hmm. were then throwing two B series with like, like half the budget. And uh, then what ended up happening too, instead of it being run by like professionals or by faculty, it ended up getting transitioned over to students because again, they just didn't want to provide the resources. And it just ended up like going kind of downhill from there. And then the pandemic happened, which didn't help. And after I left Columbia, there was actually one battle that they did for the B series where they had um, a ballet judge they had a West African judge, and then they had a, um, I think it was Brave Monk, who's Breaker. He's one of the mm-hmm. faculty members judge. And for me, when I saw that, I was like, okay, they're picking faculty members so they don't have to pay for judges. Mm-hmm. Which, in my opinion, I'm like, you are actually taking money out of the hands of people who are qualified to be judging a dance battle, mm-hmm. who are in the community and in the culture. You're taking money out of those people's hands by just putting on this event and then having your faculty judge for free. Mm -hmm. And secondly, like ballet in West African, having people who don't under, like having people on the judge panel who don't do street dance, but do ballet in West African, like to me was just kind of like not great. Like Mm -hmm. it was pretty problematic because it's like, the argument was that they wanted people who were from the ballet and contemporary scene to feel feel more comfortable in that space, like you were talking about, but again, they took a different approach to it. Mm-hmm. Um, they wanted people to feel more comfortable in that space and feel included. And it's like, okay, well, actually, if you didn't know, Columbia has six contemporary modern performance opportunities a year for students. Mm-hmm. Um, and you get one opportunity to compete in a battle on campus. Mm -hmm. So why is it that when they have six opportunities, six platforms a year to perform in the style that they excel in, they feel that they need to be included in the one space where the students who did street dance had the opportunity to perform and showcase what they're good at, Mm -hmm. right? And so it's like, 
I think a contemporary dancer ended up winning that. And it's like, you just took, like, there's a prize fund. You just took um, money out of someone who does street dances hands again. Mm -hmm. And you also just kind of like took over a setting that was like, not really yours, like, to Mm -hmm. be honest. And like, you, you already have all these opportunities, all of these chances to showcase what you do and to perform. And you just took that away from somebody who's in street dance who does not get Mm -hmm. those opportunities, Mm -hmm. right? And so for me, like, that is a huge disconnect because oftentimes, like, people in the street dance community are expected to compromise for people who are in ballet and contemporary, and it's not the other way around. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, if you do come into our setting, like, yeah, it may be uncomfortable, but that's part of the process of getting into street dance is, like, again, like we talked about exploring and expanding your comfort zone mm-hmm. right like getting outside of that like freestyle and street dance is not meant to be comfortable mm-hmm. and so like I think um yeah like there's a like certain threshold of like fear there where people are like have a harder time getting past that but once you do you are much better for it and mm-hmm. you're able to get like there's a lot of like richness that comes from the community and the culture that you are then a part of right like there's value that you can get out of that that is not just like, I want to showcase my contemporary stuff inside of this setting, yeah. right? So it's like, I, I don't know, like, I, I think that, that that's where there's a disconnect too, where it's like, if we want to meet on common ground, like, we need to recognize that people who come from a contemporary modern background, who do these Eurocentric styles, have more professional opportunities to get paid, right? Like, even just applying for teaching opportunities, like, most time they ask for people who do ballet, jazz, hip hop, and contemporary and usually if you've taken like one or two hip hop classes, you can apply for that role and you'll get it. Mm-hmm. But if you've never taken ballet or modern or contemporary and you just specialize in street dance, you can't get that teaching opportunity. Mm-hmm. And there's very few teaching opportunities that specifically ask for people who specialize in street dance mm-hmm. um, just for like regular teaching jobs. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and the same for performance stuff. So it's actually a lot harder in that sense for us to like have those resources and have access to those more um stable opportunities right Mm -hmm. we have to make opportunities for ourselves to succeed in street dance like Mm -hmm. that's how a lot of the people who teach regularly and perform regularly have made a living out of it and there's not a lot of people who do make a living out of it but they have if they have it's because they've made those opportunities for themselves and they have pursued like these institutions and like give me a teaching job Mm -hmm. like but like usually like we are not it's not very accessible to us and um, I think like people in contemporary and modern backgrounds have a lot more opportunities more easily available to them. They have a lot more resources more easily available to them. And um, I think like recognizing that privilege mm-hmm. and then like being open. So this is something that um, Haya said on my recent podcast. If you haven't listened to that one, mm-hmm. go listen to it. If you make space for other people, they'll make space for you. Mm-hmm. So when you're entering a street dance space, like make space for what we do make space for how we do it respect that like don't see it as less than and then we will make space for you we will make you feel included mm-hmm. we will help you we will guide you so that you can become more comfortable in that setting right and so yeah that was a very long-winded response <laughs> but um yeah. that's for me like i think that's kind of the starting point at least um in my opinion so yeah yeah i agree <laughs> having mutual respect for the cultures and what each of them represents and i know we're going to get into that a little more specifically with yeah. <laughs> battle setting too yes so we'll get into the battle stuff here in a little bit mm-hmm. but before that um i have one last question so 
Um, what do you think, and this is kind of probably piggybacking off the last question, but if you want to expound on this, what do you think like people in the modern and contemporary industry can learn from street dance and vice versa? Mm-hmm. So yeah, like I mentioned before, I think that there's so many benefits to including elements of formalized training into the street scene as ways to um, provide a starting point for people that are entering a brand new style, ensuring that they're getting legitimate training, and it helps so much to also be in person with that. And that's something that I still um, really believe is is really helpful for just beginners coming in. I know it's more of a common practice in like Europe and Asia to have um, more structured like hip hop schools and classes where they are um, really teaching technique and making it a little bit more formalized in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think it would be really cool structurally to start experimenting more with um, like crews exploring how they can potentially get maybe like 501c3 status access to more funding and following what is already in place within concert dance organizations because like you mentioned street dancers are so resourceful like the quality of events that y'all can put on without grants or like an operating budget or anything is is amazing so imagine what would happen if you did have an operating budget of fifteen thousand twenty five thousand fifty thousand dollars um just having that knowledge that can maybe come from um, those institutions that are already in place on a different side of dance and bringing that in, I think would just be transformative for the community as a whole, where you can afford to fly in artists from all over the country internationally, bring them into the scene, spread knowledge, spread education, um, provide opportunities to, you know, like pay crews to come out and do the showcases, really support everyone else um, financially and just make the community um, healthier as a whole and more vibrant and provide more perspectives. And yeah, having the financial means to do that is something that is obviously super important and Mm -hmm. I think hinders a lot of people from being able to um, push the events and do them the the way that they really want to. And that is going to serve um, both the artists and the community as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in terms of what the concert and like contemporary ballet, modern dance community would be able to take is again, that, that aspect of the community and the preservation of the culture, just the mindset that street dance and street dancers have with it. Um, There's a reason that a lot of concert dancers and ballet dancers, their career ends when they're 30, 35. Part Mm -hmm. of it is like you're, you're in a setting where you're dancing for potentially eight hours a day, but a lot of it from the dancers that I've spoken to is mental. People lose their love for it because they're things are getting a little repetitive. They're Mm -hmm. kind of under the direction of a very specific artistic team where they they call the shots and the work that's bringing in the rep that they're doing. And it's a little bit less of a place for self-exploration because you're always under a choreographer, under an artistic director who's determining whether you are quote unquote good enough to continue with the organization year after year. Mm -hmm. And there are people who branch out, a lot more people are doing freelance work so they can have a little bit more of that artistic control. Um, But I know that for me personally, it definitely reignited my own love for dance and also just recognizing that there are so many other legitimate forms of training and ways to improve your own practice versus needing to be in a studio or having to always rely on an organization to keep you accountable for your growth. Mm -hmm. That was a huge learning lesson coming into the scene is 
I can, I can go to these sessions, I can go to these classes, but I need to take responsibility for my own personal growth by drilling, sessioning on my own and without having to, you know, like reserve a studio space or blame anyone else. Like I'm Mm -hmm. accountable for my own growth and training. And I think that's something um, that's super important because you can always blame like lack of resources. I don't have money to take class. I don't have money to do this where it's here it's like no you have you have a living room and you have your phone that's all you need (laughs) yeah absolutely honestly you said everything that I was thinking so um Mm -hmm. I won't I won't say too much more but yeah I just want to reiterate that I 100% agree I think from like the street dance perspective what we can learn from you know modern and contemporary like institutions is like you said those structures for financial support Mm -hmm. um and how to build um I would say an organization that lasts um, because a lot of things like even just within crews, right? Like a lot of them get together because they want to battle together or train together and then they don't last that long. Like they break up because of like petty drama or things mm-hmm. like that. Or maybe people just like grow out of it and don't want to do it anymore. Um, but like as far as like actually like building structures so that we can continue to grow our community, because that's something that Chicago has seen a lot is like these waves, like where like the community ebbs and flows, mm-hmm. um, like Popping almost died out in Chicago at one point and then T revived it for a while, but then it went back down because it was like the house era and everyone was doing Mm. house instead. And then like a few people brought like popping back and right. And so I would argue that like popping has been like really thriving in Chicago recently. And Mm -hmm. I hope that that doesn't follow the past trend where it like comes and goes. I Mm -hmm. want it to continue to grow and become um, a really big scene here similar to how LA is really big for popping like consistently or New York and stuff like I want to see like our scene like really thriving and becoming like a destination to go and learn these these styles right mm-hmm. um so I think that's something that like we can learn as like street dance artists is just like really understanding like these institutions whether it's grants nonprofits or like even just companies and the way that they structure like classes and curriculum and how they charge them or even dance studios right mm-hmm. like we can learn all of this like business savviness and like this organizational stuff um that will really help us like excel and make um careers out of what we love doing mm-hmm. um so i think i agree with that and then on the other hand with modern and contemporary dancers just again reiterating what you said like learning that resourcefulness like that adaptive like being adaptable um and also like being accountable for like your own growth and your own training like mm-hmm. i definitely agree with that um so yeah so with that being said i know there were a couple mm-hmm. other things we want to talk about so any like final thoughts that you want to kind of wrap up with and talk about yeah i had a one question for you actually and it's yes. something that i have been just going back and forth with with my mind i entered my first battle back in March and I'm still trying to figure out what the heck that I'm doing but obviously coming in as um, someone who has like 18 years of contemporary and ballet in their back pocket when I'm asked to do something um, very vulnerable and freestyle it's it's easiest for me to go into some sort of contemporary fusion with Mm -hmm. it Um, and for that reason I only entered all styles competitions as well Mm -hmm. um, because I, I don't quite feel comfortable yet throwing around in a specific style because I'm still so fresh to it. And I've had this conversation. um, I spoke with Jesse Sykes at Brutal City and um, had a conversation with Alex about it as well and just gotten different perspectives on 
kind of how they see contemporary in the street scene. And it's been mixed answers. Um, some being, yeah, you know, you can use your contemporary, you can use your floor work, maintain your groove, maintain like the other techniques that you have as well. And then other perspectives, um, also listening to your podcast episode with Castro, he brought in a really good point of like, yes, you can have um, open styles, but with all styles, it's kind of a, a misnomer, you know, you're not seeing really people come and throw like ballet or contemporary or tap rounds, which we've seen a couple of those at like mm-hmm. <laughs> certain battles, yeah. um, but it's never, they've never really been like the winning, mm-hmm. winning rounds. They don't really mm-hmm. make it super far And his argument with it as well. Like it's still street dance culture. Like those, those um, forms of dance are not rooted in street dance culture. They're mm-hmm. they're guests coming into this specific space to share movement, but it's not the embodiment of it. And I think that's he made a really good point with that as well. That it is still exclusive. It's still a club to, yes, to yes. use his words, um, and that's something I've definitely been you know going back and forth with. I think I hear um, contemporary used as maybe more of a reference point for people that do a lot of floor work or more experimental movement within Mm -hmm. their dance they get labeled as a little bit more contemporary um also that's a very fluid term so (laughs) yeah finding um just getting your perspective as well on you know that form of dance within especially like the battle spaces how to approach it without Mm -hmm. you know disrespecting um the culture and the space that you're showing up to yeah absolutely so um first i i want to just note something on what you said about like exclusivity in street dance mm-hmm. um yes like to a certain extent like street dance is exclusive in the sense that it requires dedication and commitment to the culture and to the style that you're learning to earn respect mm-hmm. right um i think a lot of people think that exclusive means like you're not allowed in the space yeah. you're not welcome in this space mm-hmm. that's not the case like we are very welcoming i mean certain people individuals at at various (laughs) different levels right but like Mm -hmm. i would say generally as a culture and especially nowadays very welcoming of other people in the space and like now more than ever like in the past like street dance was way more exclusive in the sense that like you couldn't just go up to someone and be like hey can you teach me this and then Mm -hmm. they'd just show you Mm -hmm. they'd be like no like just like you'd have to like watch and like really like show that like you're very dedicated to it and like earn that knowledge right Mm -hmm. nowadays like we're very lucky that like that knowledge is to an extent more accessible um there's still a lot of things that need to be addressed in terms of accessibility but i would say more accessible than it's ever been in the sense that like you can come to a shadow puppet session every week and learn all these different techniques and these styles like just it's there it's Mm -hmm. it's available for you if you want to learn it and that wasn't something that was always the case and so like we are inclusive in the sense that like if you want to be there in the culture and you want to be a part of it and you want to learn we will like open our arms to you and give you knowledge but you also do still need to show that dedication that commitment in order to earn that respect Mm -hmm. in order to also earn there are still certain things that like we may teach you every week at shab puppets but like there's a much deeper layer like there's like these specific style sessions that you go to like animation waving where you can start to get deeper into those layers but usually you only get invited those sessions once you've really shown a commitment to Mm -hmm. learning right and Mm -hmm. so um and then even with like private sessions like for example um 
with Shadow Puppets members, like, it's funny, like, with Sid, uh, Alex told me this story where, like, he was, like, doing something um, that was, like, similar to Sinbadding or whatever, and then Sid, after, like, over a year or so of, like, like dancing with Alex, Sid was, like, secret time! <laughs> <laughs> and, like, and, like, and, like, shows Alex, like, this really, like, cool, like, animation stuff, right? And I don't That's remember so the, speci <laughs> the specifics of it, because it was Alex's story, not mine, but, um, but, like, that's something that, like, Alex earned after dancing with Sid for like a year or two years right and like it wasn't something that like when Sid first met Alex he's like I'm gonna show you how to do this because mm. it's like no like he needs to see that like you're at a level in that style to like get that like more advanced knowledge right mm -hmm. so like to to note on the exclusivity stuff like that is something that I wanted to say so I think that's really important to note and then when it comes to the battle setting Again, like, we're very open to having spectators. We're very open to having, like, people... Like, even if you're new to the style, um, not very good, and you want to go battle, like, you can do that. Like, no one's going to stop you from entering the battle, right? But, like, don't expect to win. Don't expect to make it very far because there are criteria in a battle, just like if you're in a dance competition, right, or, like, a talent showcase, where it's, like, there are criteria that these judges are trying to check off. And part of that criteria is street dance or it is a specific mm -hmm. style so like if you're talking about open styles open styles like you said is still street dance so even though you can do any different style within street dance you still have to be doing some sort of foundation in street dance to mm -hmm. make it far in open styles mm -hmm. um when it comes to a specific style what like popping for example you have to be doing popping mm -hmm. like in order to advance in a popping battle mm -hmm. and if you were at like a ballet or modern audition like, and you were just doing street dance, you wouldn't expect yeah. to pass that audition, right? Mm -hmm. Because the audition is for ballet or modern. Mm -hmm. It's the same in battles, right? So it's not that you're not welcome. Um, and it's not that, like, you can't learn and be in that space. But you do have to earn it and you do have to show craftsmanship and skill in the style and in the requisites that, like, is being asked of the battle. Mm -hmm. Because it's a competition and you're competing for money. Mm -hmm. So, like... You have to earn it. So that that's like my, I would say, perspective on it. And I think too, you said like you entered open styles battles primarily because you don't feel comfortable yet entering a specific style battle because you're not as well versed in a specific style yet. And I think that is perfectly fine mm -hmm. because open styles gives you more leeway to, I would say like do different things mm -hmm. and experiment a little bit more but yeah <laughs> anyways so that that's kind of I guess like my perspective on mm -hmm. that I hope that answered your question <laughs> yeah yeah I think it was specifically in spaces for all styles I think all of us are like pretty clear that if it's a popping battle don't show up and you know start doing something that's super far left of it um I mean you can you just won't you can you, won't you just won't prelims. yeah exactly yeah and I think yeah I, like I said, like with all styles in like open styles again I think is more fluid um in like your ability to utilize other stuff but like that should never be the goal is to like i just want to go to a battle and use my contemporary yeah, stuff you know what i mean yeah. like like yes you can use open styles as a platform to get more comfortable with the battle setting um as you're starting to learn a specific style but it should never be the goal to just like go and dance without foundation mm -hmm. yeah but, and that's I, that's a controversial opinion for some people but yeah I, yeah I think um I, I've definitely heard both arguments of the coin where 
um, people can enter in and, you know, they're doing maybe more contemporary, but some would also argue, no, this is more like experimental street dance. And I think that's when those terms get a little bit fuzzy and there's going to be different arguments for both sides. Um, for me personally, it's a respect for the culture and recognizing I am very much a guest in this culture. I mm -hmm. haven't been here for very long. Um, I want to respect the spaces that I show up in and have that be reflective of my movement as well. I think being classically trained in ballet, it has definitely um, evoked a very like purist mentality for me personally, which mm -hmm. is why I really gravitated towards um, foundational movements in like hip hop and now more so with popping as well as because there is such a strong culture um, within it and very specific ways to do it correctly and honor that and then to do it incorrectly and um, yeah. have it have it be in a weird gray area. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah awesome. All right. Well, thank you again for, you know, joining me yeah. on this podcast episode. <laughs> Was there anything final thoughts or advice that you wanted to add before we wrap up? Yeah, I'd say for anyone that is listening that does have more contemporary or ballet background and is interested in getting into street dance, um, definitely don't be shy about reaching out. There's a lot more resources now available for you to dip your toes in, such as the Shadow Puppet Sessions. Um, members from Rhythm Kids, Brian and Jason Kim, teach at Puzzle Box as well. They're great people to approach. And there's there are starting to open up more spaces in general to make this um, world and this culture a little bit more accessible um, mm -hmm. to the masses. And luckily, there's also a lot of experts in the space who are going to give you the correct knowledge as well so yeah those are my final absolutely final yeah and those are very specific mm -hmm. to Chicago but mm -hmm. honestly like I interview people from all over the mm -hmm. U.S. and even Canada with Haya mm -hmm. um who are very involved in like street dance in their particular scenes so like Castro's from New York right mm -hmm. um so feel free to reach out to literally anyone who um has been on this podcast or if you don't if you're in a different scene and you don't know who to reach out to like you can definitely reach out to us and then we can point you in the right direction because we're pretty connected um mm -hmm. uh on the low key like we kind of just know who's who in like each of the different communities so um definitely don't hesitate to reach out mm -hmm. but yeah Yay. well thank you again um and thank you everyone for listening if you have not rated my podcast five stars already mm -hmm. please do so um and i will talk to you all next week oh and also jess's information will be in the description if you want to reach out so thank you all again and talk to you next time. Bye.